Welcome to the final episode of VSTML 2018 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is a Canadian whose phone repeatedly goes off anytime we record a podcast, and it is usually his mother telling him off, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's the end of an era as we finally finish our first VSTML season of Historians. I say first because we've got another one coming. I don't actually know whether I'm going to announce this uh, at the end of Germany when we record that in a few weeks, but yeah, this is not the last VSTML season this year for us. Spoilers. Yeah, well, this pandemic's not ending in the next couple of months, I know that. <laughs> and we can finally actually say out loud, even though we've said it on previous podcasts, that Jan is the mole. He is, I think, probably maybe the best mole we've ever seen. In terms of just how blatant he was... And just no one suspecting him at all until the very, very end of the game. And even then, that person wasn't confident. It's utterly rotten for me at the time. And I know I said this on the um, on the What Did the Mole Do segments when we could actually talk about spoilers. But I put Yan as my number one in week one. And then I dropped Yan after that and only brought him back maybe at final four, maybe at final five. And it's gutting because I should have just trusted my instinct on it. So, previously, the Final Four mined their way through a karaoke before Olche suggested her and Jan exchange questionnaires while Simone and Ruben exchanged information. In a rafting challenge, Jan made a leap of faith, but Simone's leap of faith by putting everything on Ruben didn't pay off as she was the final person sent home before the finale. And they are in Bojomi. Art says that after a beautiful day in the mountains, Simona saw the game's final red screen. Some in the group managed to hide their happiness better than others. Spoilers, Olche. But it's official, Ruben, Yan and Elche are the final three of this season. They all seem convinced of their roles, they just need confirmation, but does the mole have one final card to play? And the episode title is Finalist, and the heavens seem to have opened in Bojomi. Yan toasts to them reaching the finale together, Ruben says it's an out-of-body experience, and Elche, being Elche, had one deal with herself that she would be the last woman standing. And Yan <laughs> says to her that he didn't think after the first four episodes that she would make the finale, and Ruben, when asked the same question, straight up just says, no, of course not. And then Olche admits that she didn't take notes for the f- any of the first four episodes. Zero notes. And yet she's still here. Yeah, and even in the reveal, Art was bugging her, and then Olche's like, well, I filled out a few pages at the end. I'm thinking, I bet you there's probably only like, when she says a few, I bet you there's only like four or five pages maybe of notes that she probably quickly filled in once it was down to maybe like final four or final five. (laughs) I know we're skipping ahead to the reunion here, but I think Art at the reunion proves why Art is an infinitely better host than Rick. He needles Olche for a lot of that reunion, and I just couldn't imagine Rick doing it, even though he was in the room literally witnessing it happening. Well, you contrast it with what happened in Renaissance with uh, who's the final three there, Euro and Nikki and Tigo, and Tigo was was wrong all along. Rick doesn't really go after Tigo in the reunion special there. No, it was a really fun final reunion for Art to do, I think, because everyone takes the piss out of Art. Art takes the piss out of everyone. It just seems like a very fun atmosphere. And whilst Rick is much better when he is at the reunion than actually on the episodes... He's still just a little bit awkward in the reunions. He's much less comfortable there than Art, and it really shows in the reunions. Art was able to get away with making fun of Sean Mark's mental health issues. I mean, that, not, I don't think many people would be able to get away with that in, in his role. No. I think it helps, and you can really tell in this reunion, that 
Art knows, because the news didn't come out until a few days after the reunion aired, Art knows that this is his last one. And he's just having fun. He has no more kind of worries with the show now. He can just kick back and have a little bit of fun with these people, I think. And it really shows in this reunion. Yeah, I bet you probably that group heard the rumors or something. I mean, I'm not in touch with Dutch media gossip, but I'm sure it was going around, going around, especially in his inner circle, that art was done after Georgia. I seem to remember at the time, it was a day or two after it aired. I think this aired on the Saturday. I think it was the Monday they announced that Art was leaving because he was joining a new TV network from the May, I think it was. And then by the end of that week, they'd confirmed that Rick was taking over in a video, I think. And then you spotted him at the reunion special too. You you spotted Mm. him sitting right behind old Che. As soon as I started seeing old mole contestants in there, because I think your own is in there as well. I think there's about six or seven of them. As soon as I started spotting old mole contestants, I was keeping an eye out for who it was, because obviously you won't recognize all of them. And yeah, Rick was very prominently featured over LJ's shoulder at one point. Was Chris Seegers an old mole contestant? He is, yeah. Him and Mark Eats both are. Chris was in Rick's season, actually. He was uh, he was in Sri Lanka. Okay. Interesting. So I'm like, wonder if they pick somebody random or somebody who was actually on the show before. Now, pretty much everyone who's um, who appears on the screen has, has been in the show in some capacity. Man, they're going to run out of celebrities very soon. <laughs> Well, then they just go back to normal people, and it'll be exactly the same for us as normal, let's be honest. Yeah. There's the odd person we know beforehand, like Nikki. But did we know Nikki beforehand? I think Nikki was reasonably internationally famous. Yeah, she is Yeah, she is the most famous, but I didn't know who she was, because I don't follow makeup tutorials. I can't remember the exact timeline on it, but I think she was on the Ellen show originally, sometime just before Vidim 19 aired. There's a a small amount of overlap somewhere, and I can't remember exactly where it is. But Nikki is by far the the most kind of famous person that they've cast in in years. Anyway, back to Georgia. Yeah. Alte says she was slow to get going, so nobody expected her to be here. Jan says he's happy to be a finalist, but Simona deserved it too. She was very serious, no time for jokes, which was Ruben's first experience of her on the phone. And they do end toasting to her departure. And it is day 16, and they're driving up on mountainous roads for at least half an hour. That is a long journey. They arrive at the Abushtamani Observatory, which I have googled. It is the Georgian National Observatory. And of course, as with the rest of the season, Ruben narrates the entire opening to this challenge. And then he says that it smells nice around there. And I think it's very telling that Olche never narrates an opening to a challenge. I cannot remember Olche narrating the opening to a challenge. No. Did she narrate the opening to the rafting challenge? I don't think she did. I think the closest we got was karaoke, where she was talking about finally a water challenge, but I still think Ruben got the first word in that one. Yeah, like she just she gets thrown in for snippets leading up to a challenge, but it's always from Ruben's point of view. Yeah, Ruben was the first to narrate a challenge at least half of the time during the season, I think. Well, if you judge by what gets said later on in the reunion... It sounds like all anyone thought about was, oh, this was happening, and goddamn, Ruben screwed it up again. So maybe everyone else's description of the challenge just immediately went into attacking Ruben. Quite possibly, yeah. And Art meets them there and says they'll find three mole logos on three different building entrances. They have to move the telescopes inside the buildings so that Art can see the moon in 30 minutes. And if they succeed, they will earn a thousand euros for the pots, and he promises that they will be able to see the moon. Mainly because I think... It's obviously in the middle of nowhere. It's the Georgian National Observatory, as I said. I have a feeling they filmed this on a full moon night as well. I haven't looked that up to be 
to be certain about it, but I think it was a full moon night just to to confirm it. And Yan says that traditionally contestants get a walkie-talkie. As they're in the finale, they'll also get a torch. They decide to split up. It is just silly to follow each other. Yan goes to building number one, Ruben to number three, and Elche to five. Ruben walks past two and heads to investigate it anyway, until Alche tells him not to. This is an unusual challenge for a finale episode, but it's probably one that was cool to experience. Yeah, it's a spectacle challenge. There was no chance that Yana's mole was moling this challenge, I don't think. There isn't much of an opportunity for him to do that. In fact, I would say, maybe with the exception of the middle challenge, Yan doesn't do much moling at all in this episode. No, the closest thing he does to mine is being the last person to see the moon. Yeah, which is actually what the episode title was referring to, amongst other things in this episode. So yeah, Yan finds a logo at building number one. Building three is overgrown and dark. Ruman heads to number four. Alche finds nothing at number five, so heads to number two. And inside building number one, Yan finds a monster of a telescope. And he says that building number one would be an awesome office. <laughs> then Ruben finds a logo at building number four, and it's kind of spooky. He says the machines were from 1803. I have my doubts. Yeah, I didn't do too much um, snooping into this observatory, however cool it was. This is much more of a a challenge that I think the contestants enjoyed than is fun to recap. Yeah, I don't have too many notes. Just like, hmm, that, that'd probably be fun if I was them. <laughs> there are little things like, with 21 minutes left, Olche being outside on her own, and it's like something out of Murder in Small Town X. Yeah. She was really spooked. She does not like being in the dark. Well, you would be. You're in seemingly an abandoned area, even though it's it's not actually abandoned. There is no lights on anywhere. You're in the middle of nowhere. You could genuinely imagine someone coming out of the woods and hacking you to death there. Abandoned Soviet-era observatory. And because it's in the middle of nowhere, there's all the wildlife as well. So you probably heard like things going through the bushes and stuff, and the wind blowing through as well. It would have been genuinely a little bit creepy at times, I suspect. I do not begrudge her at all for being a little bit spooked there. And Yan tells her that they only spotted five buildings, but there could be many more. To see the moon, they have to open the doors of the dome with a big wheel, and then move the telescope itself. It is obviously very cinematic. It is actually in the opening. I think it's Yan's dome opening that's actually in the uh, in the credits. And Ruben gets away with just pressing a button to open his dome. And he is, it's fair to say, rather enthusiastic about this challenge. Yeah, he's like, it's like every little boy's dream. Like, every little boy dreams of a gigantic telescope that looks at the moon in the middle of a place that looks like it hasn't been inhabited since the Soviet era. Yeah, I had lots of dreams about that as a kid. To be fair, I think Ruben would be very interesting to talk to about this sort of stuff, because... There is a complete dichotomy between everyone's suspicion of him. He was number one suspect pretty much every week in terms of the contestants. Maybe not in Bother's Bar, but in terms of the contestants. You then counteract that with the fact that he has a childlike enthusiasm for so much in this season. And he is really enjoying himself. And he doesn't care that people suspect him as a result of it. He's just really having fun, and you can tell. As long as it doesn't involve heights. Well, yeah, as long as it doesn't involve him hanging off a crumbling Soviet building on a zipline, he's absolutely fine. But in so many of these challenges, you can just tell that Ruben is having an absolute blast and doesn't really care at that point whether he wins or not. Makes me wonder, just, I wonder how much of the enjoyment was eliminated from the other contestants because they were all constantly sharing information about Ruben's sabotages. Yeah, I don't know. 
I think we said this last week, but so much of this season lives and dies on this final three. It's such a good final three in Olche, Ruben, and Jan because they are all really enjoying themselves. Jan has an absolute blast, both as a contestant and as a mole, just messing with people, but also really enjoying their company. And if it's not the best final three in any show ever, I think it's probably the most joy-filled final three ever. They are all really having a lot of fun. And you don't see any moaning from any of them, really, in these episodes, with the exception of Ruben and the crumbling Soviet building zipline, I don't think. Well, just think with Yan, there was, well, he didn't get to see Ron, so there'd be, what, eight other contestants before him. And he had an alliance or a coalition with four out of the other eight contestants. Because he was aligned with Ruben, Olche, Emilio, and Jean-Marc. So that's a lot of charm where he just, and I mean, not too many moles are that voluntarily get aligned with that many people. No, it says it all that since Yan has been on Vidim. Every mole has tried to emulate him. Pretty much everyone, maybe with the exception of Renee, has tried to do all the sneaky stuff that Yan has done and been inspired by Yan. And in fact, he got a name check from Renee of one of her sabotages being inspired by something that he would do. He's the prototype for so many moles that come after him, purely because he's having so much fun, he's messing with people, but he's making it good TV as well. Because there is a really fine line that a lot of moles have to straddle between actually messing up the game and making this a fun TV show and Yan 100% gets it. Like he could have just gone full in and made sure that the group didn't even get more than 10,000 euros for the pot, but even Yan knew when to hold back to make sure they had some money for the winner. Yeah, he could have been a dick like Merrill. That's what was going around here. Merrill comes the year after him and Merrill is the wrong side of that line. Yeah, she sabotaged a lot, but she wasn't particularly pleasant at times. Whereas Yan is having so much fun at pretty much every opportunity that it's it's infectious and it allows him to to get away with so much stuff. Well, yeah, because he's not trying to. He doesn't strike you as the type who's trying to hide whatever they were just doing. He's just laughing off and, be, and just going full in on trying to mess with everybody else and deflect the blame onto Ruben, which probably helps that he had that scapegoat that everyone is one hundred percent convinced is the mole. Like, do you see what Ruben did? My God, I can't believe that guy. He knows that we're all onto him. I don't, I don't get, I don't understand his tactics. But he's been, he's been found out quite early. From Ruben's point of view, and I know we're doing so much of the reunion content here, but from Ruben's point of view, that's a brilliant advantage for him as well. Because from Yan's point of view, he has the big scapegoat. He can just say, "Oh, Ruben, why are you doing this all the time?" And it deflects attention away from him. But from Ruben's point of view, everyone else suspects him. So he can then sit back and go, I don't mind everyone suspecting me. I can just take the time to work out who it actually is. And that allows him the breathing room to go, well, I know I'm not going to go anytime soon because everyone knows it's me or quote unquote knows it's me. And it's putting all of their points on me. So as long as I don't do worse than any of them, I'm absolutely fine. And I can just take the time and work out who it is. And he sits back, relaxes, does it methodically and works it out. Yeah, I mean, he played the advantage really, really well. He could have probably still spread between three different people at Final Four and still made it to the final episode if he wanted to. He could have spread between Yan and Olche and still won. Yeah, imagine that. That's the thing. He could have genuinely hedged his bets and split between the two of them and still won because Olche was on the wrong person. 
Granted, she didn't take that many notes, so you don't know if she accidentally answered questions correctly on the final quiz. Yeah, but between Yan and Ruben, it's pretty much a symbiotic relationship because Yan needs Ruben there to continually bat suspicion away from him, and Ruben needs Yan there so that he can actually work out who it is. Yeah, it's an in- it's an interesting scenario for, for a mole season. Yeah, there's a very good reason that we did this one first, because not only is it a really fun season, beautifully filmed, everyone is having an absolute blast apart from Jean-Marc, it's also really interesting strategically, and the sort of season that we love to talk about anyway, because of this this final two of Jan and Ruben feeding off of each other, and needing each other to be there, to make their own games work, but also to make the season work. Because this season doesn't work without Jan, and it doesn't work without Ruben. We get lucky that Olche is the third person there, because Olche is potentially the best mole candidate ever, just from an entertainment point of view. So glad she made all the way to the finale. Yeah. Given that she was so, so wrong, she could have gone in pretty much any of the previous executions, but she didn't. And they got very lucky as a result of that, because the season infinitely dips in quality if Olche isn't there. But this season is so much the story of Jan and Ruben feeding off each other and Ruben finally having the realisation at Final Five that it's Jan. And even then he's not that confident. I think Art said that uh, Ruben doesn't pick Jan as the mole until Final Four. No, but he really started honing in on him at Final Five after the train game. Yeah. So Jan and Olshay meet up like it's a sleepover and they've got 15 minutes left. Ruben struggles to work out what to look through. Something breaks off on his telescope but he does find the moon and calls Art over and has it in frame. Olche finds the third observatory thanks to Jan's help. Sometimes he has good ideas. And she says she's never seen something so beautiful. Jan says he's not the handiest person in the world. He can change a light bulb, but that's about it. He is, however, competitive and doesn't like that Ruben beat him. But he can beat Olche at least. And she has it in her sight, though, and also calls Art. Gets approved. And Jan just manages to rotate his dome and does manage to get the moon in focus eventually with a minute to go. However, the moon moves while he's waiting for Art, and he manages to get it with 39 seconds to go, winning them the thousand euros. Then we get all the usual This Country is Beautiful scenes on day 17. We don't need to cover that, really. Jan says the mountains are beautiful, so is Tbilisi. Doesn't matter what they do, he wants to stay a bit longer. Ruben says it was intense and exhausting, but so cool. They've been to some beautiful places and met some beautiful people, and no one can take that away from them. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I know we're going to get another another recap scene before the end, but I was thinking, with the US, because Belgian mole, they always reveal their mole in this episode. Before the end of the episode, you know who the mole is, and then all the reunion stuff is focused on for the following week. With the American version, they structure the same way that the Dutch version does, which is, you don't reveal who the mole is in the final three episode, you wait till the start of the reunion, go through all of their sabotages, and that's your hour. The difference there is the reason why the US version gets away with that in terms of pacing is that the episodes were only 42 or 43 minutes of running time, I think, when it was final three. So you don't have to fill in, fill it in with all the different recaps and stuff. The Dutch version, with their final three episode, it's always 60 minutes of running time. It's a full hour, full hour of actual running time. So it's 17 minutes more that they're trying to fill with roughly the same number of assignments. And I believe we said this during the Czechia season, and I think in every Vidim season we've covered so far, but 
final three episodes where you don't reveal who the mole is in 60 minutes of running time just doesn't work out too well. <laughs> no, we are going to be reasonably quick with the remaining two bits of this episode and probably with the reunion. That's why we do the finale and the reunion together in uh, in our historian seasons is just because there isn't really a full episode of content, let's be honest. What, what do we usually clock in at for the last two episodes of each season? Finale we usually do not too badly because we're speculating. And I'm very interested to see what we're going to do with the next Vidim season on that. Because we are still going to do Finale and Reunion. But we usually have a decent amount of speculation and stuff with the Finale episodes. Reunion episodes do tend to be like 35 minutes post-edit. We don't tend to do very long Reunion episodes. And since we both know the outcome of this, there's no speculating to be done at the end of the final three episode. <laughs> but more on that very soon, because I'm very excited to actually announce it. <laughs> so they arrive at Tabot's Curie. Alche actually gets to speak about how beautiful the landscape is. And they meet Art by a four-wheel drive larder. Each of them will drive a route around Tabot's Curie. Along the way, they will find questions which will tell them which puzzle piece of A and B to take. When they put it together, they will find out where the 1500 euros is waiting. And they've got an hour. The questions are all about the larders, therefore not actually that interesting. Yeah, I don't drive. <laughs> Logan doesn't drive, and I did not find this challenge very interesting, being honest. So Jan's first time a question, he's asked how many round holes are in the Jeep rims. He says 48 and takes piece A. LJ starts driving and then says she doesn't want to do the quiz, just drive around the beautiful landscape. Her question is whether the larder can make it through the cones that have been put out or not, and she says yes. She describes herself as being from the power steering generation and isn't used to such a heavy steering wheel. I know that pain. Ruben is asked where the oil goes into his engine, either in the middle or the top right. He struggles to open the bonnet and rings Jan, who's confused about how he cannot open the bonnet. He decides to just pick a piece so as to not lose any time. Jan finds his second question, which is how many sticks are in the larder, either one or three. He has three, but the gear stick he only has one of and takes the piece for three. Ruben's asked how many lights turn on when he has hazard lights on. He struggles to find the hazard lights, says 5 as one is broken. Jan's asked what version of a larder it is. He finds it says 1.7. Alche rings Jan to ask him whether he knows the pieces fit together. He says that it's logical, her pieces fit together, his don't. She says he must have taken something wrong then. Jan's asked where the spare tyre should be, either under the bonnet or in the boot. It's under the bonnet. How could Ruben not find out how to open it? Alche's then asked how you open the boot. With a handle by the pedals, like in a normal car, or with a handle by the back seat. She tears the car apart to try and find it. Then Yen rings her and tells her that Ruben couldn't open the bonnet, even though it only took him a second, which is bullshit. Ruben finds a tape measure in his car and is asked how long his car is, either 3.72 metres or 3.94. Then Alte finds her last question, which is how many RPM does the car measure at 25 kilometres an hour in second gear, either 2,000 or 3,000. And she learned in her driving lessons that if you leave the handbrake on, the car won't move. Sadly, she broke the handbrake, so drove over the question sign. In doing so, she did <laughs> knock the pieces off. I love Alche so much. <laughs> so much of this season is completely luck-based for production, because if Alche doesn't make it that far, the season just isn't as fun, without her sniping out pretty much everyone who's gone. So much of this season works on moments like this, where Alche just accidentally breaks her handbrake and goes careening into the question board. Yeah. Commits vandalism. I mean, it's shoddy workmanship that it just completely collapses as soon as she hits it. I'm surprised the puzzle pieces didn't get ruined. Yeah, I don't think you get a moment like this in pretty much any other season unless you have someone like Olche. She is a star. 
I'm just glad it was a pull and not a person. Well, the cameraman wasn't that far away. No. They were after that. Well, <laughs> yeah, so, as soon as he saw her with the handbrake in her hand, they just go, oh shit, and run away. So Ruben has three pieces, Jan has four. They're on opposite sides of the village and agree to meet where Art met them originally. Ruben drives off with his pieces on the bonnet. One is still there, but two fell by the side of the road. Luckily, Alto rang him just in time. Reminds me of my brother, because my brother one time, he went to the grocery store to get some snacks, and he had something on top of his car, and he also had his wallet on top of the car. And it made it surprisingly far, because it made it all the way back to our house. But then he got back, he's like, oh no. He was panicking, saying, oh, I don't know where my wallet is. And then we get a phone call, and it was from a woman who was like two or three streets away from us. She says, yeah, um, did you happen to lose your wallet? Because... Uh, somebody drove by and the wallet fell from on top of their car. <laughs> so it's like, eh, I, uh, as much as I would have a tough time believing that Ruben would do something like that, uh, I do know somebody who has done that with something far more valuable than a couple of puzzle pieces on a game show. It is like something out of a sitcom. You wouldn't believe it if it was written in a sitcom, would you? No, but luckily I know someone who did it in real life. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, yeah, that that does happen. I don't know why, but it does. <laughs> so with 12 minutes left, Ruben rings Jan to say that the fog is coming in and it's best to meet him in the village. Alche and Ruben meet up to put their pieces together and then try and get children to translate it, but they just smile at them. And another local tells them that it's in Mollet at a crossroads, which is four kilometres away. Alche tries ringing Jan, but her battery runs out. And by the time that Jan arrives, time is up, meaning they earn nothing of €1,500 for the challenge, 1,000 of 2,500 for the episode so far, and, and 15,250 of 55,580 for the season so far. So, I they don't say this in the reunion special, but I assume this was a sabotage by Yan to intentionally show up to the village late and argue over the meeting point. I would assume so. I would assume he was up in the hill somewhere, probably with his feet on the dashboard, resting for about five minutes like he did on the train. Yeah, look at the stars. So beautiful around here. Pretty much his entire tactic during the season was just to slow things down a little bit. Just chill. Yeah. And definitely worked with this, because yeah, those last few minutes, they don't even see Yan, and it's way too late. If he was there right on time, at the same time as Ruben and Olche, they'd probably do pass this challenge. Yeah, they were only four kilometers away from the uh, the end point. So, yeah, they probably do pass if, if Yan doesn't mess around for about five minutes. And did we ever get to see the question board that Ruben drove past by? I don't think we did. But it was only going to be a Lada-themed one, wasn't it? So it won't have been interesting. Yeah, but I just wanted... All they had to do was show two seconds of Ruben driving by the question post. Unless he just didn't encounter it at all, but I thought it was just all one route. I think it was. Yeah, I'm, I'm so a bit annoyed that they didn't include that in the episode, considering how much filler we got. It's like, that's the most interest, one of the most interesting things. How did Ruben miss the fourth question? And then we don't even get that. It would have taken just pretty much no time at all, unless... Well, I guess the other theory is that maybe the camera operators didn't capture it cleanly for TV. Maybe. So Art also tells them that they have the evening left, and tomorrow they will take their final test. And then they have a final meal together and reminisce. Jan seems to somehow have got a tuxedo with him. And they all seem to have champagne. Ruben pops a cork and we get another opa from Jan. But yet again, Ruben narrates literally everything of this scene. I think this is the start of We're Not in Kia, friend, being quoted about four or five more times between now and the end of the season. To be fair, it is the iconic moment of the season. 
I know we really struggled to actually do it justice in the premiere recap, but it is the iconic moment. Nothing, I think, in Vidim history has topped We're Not in Kia Friend, and nothing will top We're Not in Kia Friend. And then Yan starts choking on his food at the end of the meal. And then Olche just jumps in. Instead of helping him with him choking on his food, Olche just jumps in and says, Yan can't do the finale tomorrow. Someone call an ambulance. Season over. (laughs) So it is now time for the final test. 40 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows them most will unmask the mole and leave Georgia with the contents of the pot, which currently stand at 15,250 euros. The final test happens at Rabati Castle. Before that, though, they all meet R individually. The test computer is hidden somewhere in the castle, and their time will start as soon as they enter the castle. But there are two advantages hidden. They can add 2,500 euros to the pot by going via a slower route, which will only be added if they are the winner. There is also a longer path, which will take them to face the mole. What do you think would have happened if Ruben or Olche had gone for the meet the mole? Would Yan have been waiting there? I think so. I think so too, but they don't actually answer that question. Which is really weird. Especially because Olche was trying to meet them all. <laughs> yeah. It feels like like that was an unanswered question. I don't think we found that out in the past three years. Of whether a mirror would have been there had had Olche or Ruben gone there as well. Or whether like Jan would have been standing by the doorway and he was reflected in the mirror or something. Because it's like I said in Czechia, with their final challenge of going through the mine and getting the um, the statements and picking the right ones... I was fully speculating that Renee's reveal would have been something to do with her opening one saying Ek Ben de Mol or whatever. And it was kind of inspired by Yan's reveal here, because they only really have Yan go to it so they can use it in the reveal imagery in, in the reunion. There's no other reason for him to do it. So Yan goes first, he heads to the test, but he's looking out for money too. He searches the ground for the signs and ends up finding a money sign. He reaches the tower and collects his envelope, and then heads to the test, starting with 5 minutes and 18 on the clock. He says Ruben is a mole, he rarely brings in money, always creates chaos, and is passive at best. He wanted to be treasurer, and then got an assignment where he could divide the money and Yoka's immediately as treasurer. He then got another one where he walked free around the hotel, he wasted time in the money drum, and then thought he didn't have to count the minus money. And Yan finishes with a time of 11 minutes and 7 seconds. Olche is second up, and in classic Olche style, she doesn't even run up the stairs. She, for once in this season, does not pick money... She didn't go for the mole, as she knows who it is. She also struggles with finding the sign, and finds the test with 10 minutes 48 on the clock. She wastes a lot of time up there. She really did. Ruben is her mole as well. He's been acting differently for a few days. He didn't know how to attach car straps and was messing around for ages. Olche had to tell him to tie it with a knot. She thinks he had more than 100 euros in the hotel, when he actually had yokers. He moled on the train too by putting boxes in her compartment and making her lose her temper. She's 99% sure it's Ruben, and leaves with the time of 13 minutes and 50. Ruben runs immediately. The chance of winning on time is low, so it's more important to be right. That left two options, getting money, and meeting the mole. There is a risk that someone else will also look at the mole, or have more questions right, but he took the risk. The signs are small, so in his hurry he misses them. He goes for the money and picks up his envelope, and reaches the table with 5 minutes 48 on the clock. His mole's Yan. He spent a lot by calling Art in episode 1 to no reward. He's not put much in the pot at all. In the diggers he worked well, but they were still a minus 300 at that point. Is it all a facade? He's fanatic and loud and was convinced that they had to backtrack in Tunnel Vizzy, which slowed things down. 
The show's subtitle is Nothing is What It Seems, Neat is What It Liked, so he has some doubts. They could both still be fantastic moles, but there is only one, Jan Versteeg. He finishes with a time of 10 minutes and 44, and they are individually taken to a hotel where to bookend the season, they enter a hotel room to Georgian TV being on, cutting to a message from Art. Yet again, Ruben narrates this scene. Each of them gets a personal message. He says that Alche wasn't very logical giving away her black exemption if she's a candidate. Jan is the young guy that always wants to be up front because it's his character or because it's the best place to be a mole. Being in a certain position, you can distract others. He's earned money, but never actually that much. Ruben was often accused, not to his knowledge, for being passive and not in the picture. Logical position for a mole. He was suspected, but he claims that it was blind panic. It's a good tactic for a sharp candidate and a sharp mole. He announces that for the first time ever, they are not doing a reveal live on location. They will instead be doing the reveal live in Vondelpark. V. Is. De Mole. So now the reunion. And I have to say, I know I've said this before, it's utterly nuts being in that crowd for the finale. Nothing can prepare you for it. It's wild. It's like a rap concert. It really is. Because... If you consider, I was obviously in the the audience the year after this, pretty much a year straight after this. I was second row, and I had to stand up for five and a half hours before the show actually began. And by the time that it started filming, I think it was over 5,000 people there, all on either side of, of Vondel CS. It's a shame that they were, haven't been able to do these live reveals for, uh, or have, have it with the crowd for Renaissance and Czechia. Or China, too, I guess. Yeah, they've done three seasons without a crowd. It's funny that they establish this as this big new tradition, and then they've only been able to do it twice. <laughs> well, they did the live reveals. They just had a reveal on location to cut to as well. So like in, in the Oregon one, there is a filmed reveal. So that final three knew who the mole was. Just they intercut it with the mole stepping forward and going, Ich bin der Mole, actually on the stage at Vondelpark. This is the first season where they didn't pre-film one. They just did it live. Like they did in China, actually. China didn't have one either for some reason. And then they did they did that same idea as they did with Oregon in Colombia. And then they would have done the same thing with Renaissance as well. So Art says that at first people were suspecting Christina, like me, then Simona, but then both left, leaving just Ruben, Jan and Olche. And in a deliciously awkward moment, you can tell this is live because there is a good five awkward seconds of Art waiting on the stage and Chris looking at him awkwardly. <laughs> and even though they filmed this live, we still don't get a family photo of all ten. It's still the superimposed one that they had to use because obviously they didn't start in the same country. And then Art teases them for not realising they were spread over five countries... And as we mentioned earlier, the audience inside also seems to be filled with old candidates, including our good friend Patrick from Mexico and Renaissance being behind Ron. Emanuela, who you know a lot more about now, is between Luce and Emilio. Fritz sitting Istamol is right next to Emanuela. And we're going to skip over this a little bit, but over Jean-Marc's shoulder is, of course, Euroan. Boo earns. Stina says that Emilio being quick to solve the stick puzzle made him all the more suspicious in episode one. Art tries to get everyone to apologise to Ron, and apparently they have a WhatsApp group together called Sorry Ron. Jan is on 36%, Ruben on 33%, and Alche 31%. And really conveniently in the crowd, they do manage to find three people next to each other who suspect the three different people. How did that happen? And they did it repeatedly. Yeah. 
it's almost like they ask before they go live who suspects Ruben, who suspects Jan, who suspects Olshe. Yeah, that was definitely planned. 100%. <laughs> it's 100% set up. I witnessed it happening for Columbia. I know it's a bit inside baseball to say, yeah, this is completely fake, but this was completely fake. Imagine being the audience and it's like, well, we're going to ask you, if you who you think the mole is. And then if you're with a friend, make sure you guys pick different people. <laughs> Do not pick the same person if you want to be on TV. It's really gutting because I was going to go to this finale. I have the mole book for Georgia still. Um, I was going to go to this finale and then couldn't get the time off work. So I was really good, <laughs> knowing how fantastic a season this ended up being, that I couldn't get the time off work because I'd just changed jobs when this aired. And I know we have mentioned this many times on the podcast over the years, but Jan's finale suit is somewhat else. It's silver. Yeah, I've touched upon my love of Jan's fashion choices anyway, because it very much intersects with a lot of stuff I would wear. But his his bow tie made of wire is potentially my favourite thing anyone has ever worn for a finale. <laughs> it's somewhat else. Maybe Olche designed it. I did try and quickly Google to find out whether it was an actual sold thing, and I cannot find it. It's going to be super expensive anyway. There's no way I could I could actually afford it. <laughs> and art speech is interrupted by someone shouting that Olche is the mole. They did tell us in Colombia the year after to stay quiet during the reveal, and Art ends up basically telling them to shut up himself. And then Art begins by asking how it can be that Olche is still here, and she gets a little bit sassy with him, in classic Olche style. She's the first person to make the finale without a mole book. She darted through the game like a businesswoman on a team outing, but she also went for her goal of earning as much money as possible. Did Molche play a double role, though? She's convinced that Ruben is the mole, and he also announces that she is not the mole. It's very interesting watching this back, not watching Olche in this scene, but watching Ruben. Because it is at this point that Ruben knows he has won the game, and he's trying so hard not to let it on, but he does do a little happy dance. <laughs> Yeah, he's like bobbing back and forth, smiling, and he's just trying his hardest to stay as quiet as possible. Well, given that he's committed to it being Yan, who was the mole, and he's had in the back of his mind, maybe I've got duped by Olche. Maybe we're both wrong here. Oh no, this could be horrible in Vondelberg. And as soon as Olche's announces not being the mole, you can see a weight lift off his chest, basically. You know what's going to happen one day for Vidim where they're going to have an ending where no one unmasks the mole? It's going to happen at some point. I don't know how satisfying that would be. It won't be satisfying, right? They're going to have to try and do it once. You definitely would never get it on Belgium because Jill makes a point of making sure that someone gets them all eventually. Yeah. But I just don't know. I don't know whether Vidum would go for that either. It'd be really interesting because then someone would win by default. That's the downside of it. The two sweetest words in the English language. You don't want someone having an asterisk against their win going... Yeah, they won, but only just. Only by default. Maybe if the pot was like 8,000 euros or something, it's like, yeah, they can they can take that. So, Art says that Jan being in the finale is not a shock. He's always up front and always hardworking. Or did he waste a lot of energy as Mole with absolutely nothing to show for it? He also suspects Ruben, who is the complete opposite of Jan. Laid back, cautious, always clumsy, but the man who knew exactly when to become treasurer. Ruben is the biggest surprise to be there of all. He held his own between the two forces of nature that is Olche and Yan. It wasn't easy unless he was guaranteed to be here as Mole. He's convinced that Yan is the Mole, and no one else suspected him except Ruben, because he was sharper than the rest and saw through the facade. For Yan not to win would be a disappointment to Yan. 
and then we get the reveal proper. There is a quick recap of the season explaining why both Ruben and Yan could be suspicious. It then cuts to the third and longest route again, where they can face the mole. Someone goes to find the mole. It is Yan, and he enters to see a mirror. Yan is the mole. Ruben is obviously ecstatic publicly now, and Olche is hilariously gutted to know that she's been duped. This reveal scene is great. Yeah, one person very satisfied with their choice, and the other person wondering who they can trust for the rest of their lives. This reveal gave me goosebumps again, mainly because I love all three of these people as characters. I've very much come to love Ruben as um, as a character in this rewatch, and I'm really glad we did this rewatch. But it's so funny to watch all three of their reactions, because Jan obviously knows that this is coming. He knows he's the mole. He knows he's been the mole for about a year by this point. Ruben as of about two minutes beforehand, knows that he's the winner and that Yan is the mole. Olche had no idea, and Olche is just trying so hard not to swear, and it's very, very funny. It is, I would say, the most satisfying reveal of any mole season ever. It's so satisfying, this reveal. Well, because you get the both extremes of emotion at the end. Well, yeah, because the previous season in Oregon, you do have someone who is completely wrong again at the end but you don't have the Olche-style reaction of them being wrong. That's the thing. You you get a very similar situation in that the loser does end up suspecting the winner, but you don't get the fun payoff of it being someone like Olche, where Olche's reactions are always dialed up to 11 regardless. So Ruben went for the money route in the final challenge, earning him 2,500 euros of 2,500 for the challenge, 3,500 of 5,000 for the final episode, and 17,750 of a possible 58,080 for this season. And Jean-Marc, when they are all back together, says that when he and Yan came into the hotel room initially, he turned off the TV, which annoyed the crew, and they had to refilm it. <laughs> Yan, at this point, had the longest wait of any mole to reveal their status. And he says that after they filmed, him and Emilio called each other a lot, and Emilio was initially very mistrusting of him. And his phone does go off mid-sentence. It's his mum, which is probably a bit mad at him for being the mole. He says his tactic was to play it cocky and keep ramping it up until someone got it. Only Ruben actually managed to work it out. Also said that if it's Yan, she'd punch him in the face. And she's basically responsible for everyone else going in on Ruben and getting themselves eliminated. So it makes you wonder, what was it about Olche that convinced everyone that Ruben had to be the mole? Do they just trust Olche's judgment that much? I've said it before, I think... It's a very understandable reaction when you're faced with Olche to be a little bit scared of her and just do what she wants is much easier. So I think there was maybe a little element of that, of everyone going, well, yeah, Olche might be right. And also, if I disagree with Olche, she may go and punch me in the face. So I'll just do what she wants. I won't even uh, spread between two people. I'll just go all in on Ruben. And it really was like that. It was just a big Ruben domino effect of people getting executed and everyone thinking, well, we're all on the same person because of Olche, so I guess I just got the lowest score or I finished the quiz in the slowest amount of time. Yeah, I think pretty much everyone from Luce, definitely, but maybe Emilio onwards had Ruben as number one suspect. That's pretty much everybody in the cast. (laughs) Jean-Marc obviously didn't go home suspecting Ruben because he'd never met Ruben. Or maybe met him for one or two challenges. So, so Bella is the only person who didn't have Ruben as their prime suspect that went home? I don't think so. I think Bella was on Stina, if I remember rightly. Yeah, so St- yeah, she was on Stina. So from seventh place onwards, everybody was on Ruben. 
That's nuts for that many people to be on the same wrong suspect until the very end. Because no one wavered from that. Yeah, the other element of this that we are going to talk about the next fit of season, when we do it, is that only a couple of years before this was the season where literally everyone suspected the right person. In in the Netherlands, at least. From episode two onwards, in the Dominican Republic season, literally 90% of the viewing public were on the right mole because of a very obvious clue. So I think there's an element of everyone seeing something and going, well, it's the same situation as that. We're never going to cover that season, by the way, so I can talk about this as much as I want. I think there might have been an element of that, of everyone in the cast going, well, this happened only two years ago. Maybe they've accidentally slipped up again. Spoilers, they're never going to slip up like that again. They're never going to make a clue as obvious as that ever again because of how much grief they got from it. But I I wouldn't be surprised if that played into it a little bit with everyone just turning around and going, well, everyone in the public was suspecting the right mole after episode two. Maybe we're on the right lines. And then nobody actually having independent thought and going, mm, I'm going to try something different. So initially, Steena and Emilio both said they'd keep an eye on Jan, but he charmed them. If they didn't do well, he would berate them as a group, and he played them all like being a candidate. He doesn't like losing in real life, but losing money here is winning in his role as Mole. Ruben gets officially awarded his money. He did go home thinking, where's the pot? Oh shit, Jan has the pot. <laughs> yeah, you win nothing. <laughs> you picked the wrong penny macer, Ruben. I don't know what would happen in that case, because we have had it in the past where a Mole has been treasurer going into the finale and done some funky stuff with the um, with the pot, but they did that in the context of the game. They never did that when they got home. So I think it would have been a little bit mean for Jan to go, I'm just going to burn half of the notes at home. Yeah, burn it, or it's like, yeah, it's in the Dutch sewage system now. And Jan even says he hasn't taken any money out of it. It is still in the same plastic wallet that he gave it in. And he started off with the mission of convincing Jean-Marc that he wasn't the mole. Which was an easy mission. Yeah, which was an easy mission, and also Jean-Marc was not useful after the first episode. His second mission was to not find the money, but instead to cost the group money by using the phone calls. He says it was a disadvantage because Jean-Marc could only focus on him, but it was an advantage because everyone else was mistrusting of who they started with. Art compares it to a swingers club, and Jan replies, very quickly I might add, that he doesn't know about that, but maybe Art does. This is what I mean, you couldn't imagine someone turning around to Rick and going, yeah, but you frequent swingers clubs, don't you, Rick? Yeah, <laughs> we've seen you in the red light district, buddy. The group put him in charge at the digger challenge. He kept digging in the same hole and sending the small machinery away from the big pile. And he even sings because he's a cocky little shit. Never gonna make it, never gonna make it. <laughs> Could have sworn we all did a parody of that song. I genuinely love Yana's mole. Yan is the mole that I would aspire to be if I was the mole in a season. Just have as much fun with it as possible. Yeah, he always looks like he's having so much fun, but he's also really, really cocky. He does not back down in the slightest. In the search for the tunnels, he held back and literally did nothing except grin at the camera. He tried to slow them down repeatedly, succeeding. I love the conversation he shares between him and Stine after that challenge, where Stine's asking him, oh, how did that happen? And Jan's like, I don't know, but it went well between the two of us. <laughs> He literally rings her during the challenge and says in the conversation, oh, it's so great, we're not going to win the money, and she doesn't pick up on it. <laughs> His tactic basically was to slow them down as much as possible in any challenge and refuse to hide in the background and mess with people. And it's everything you'd want to aspire to be as mole. 
I cannot heap enough praise on Yan in this entire season because he's such a good mole. And in the flowchart challenge, he genuinely did walk past the candidates with his hood off on camera. Damn. And my instinct at the time that Ruben maybe spotted him was wrong. He was just a fraction of a second too late. So close. He was two seconds away from seeing Yan's face. I thought that secondary location that Yan had to walk by seemed like it was much he was much more vulnerable. Where he had to be directly behind them and there was a much smaller gap to go between. Yeah, because it was in the 9th of April Park. I don't know whether they moved the table much. Well, they had the two different spots they showed for the table. So it seemed like that second spot, the one that Ruben wasn't at, seemed like the one where Yan was a lot more vulnerable. So I found it quite interesting that the one where I thought Yan could blend in the most was where he was the closest to being spotted. Yeah, because Yan didn't even know at the time that Ruben was that close, I don't think. He only got told afterwards. Probably for the best. (laughs) Yeah, because if Ruben was one of the first ones filmed, he would have been genuinely terrified, I think, for the rest of them. They needed their mole confident for this sabotage. Because I even said at the time, I couldn't remember whether Ruben had had actually seen him or not, but I said it in the the what did the mole do section that week that I didn't know for certain whether Ruben had seen him or not, but it really looked like he did. And he even blew a kiss at Luce on the way past. She calls him an asshole. (laughs) V is the asshole, I think is what Jan and Emilio were calling it. And walking past the candidates gave him confidence. He does star jumps on the word search with nobody looking at him. He crossed out the word mole with letter M's, and Luce was suspicious of Yan after this, but she didn't heed Ruben's advice of putting some questions on him. Yeah, because she thought that was the mole giving her advice, so that made Ruben even more suspicious. <laughs> In the hotel, he got freed early. Him and Ruben worked together well. He worked slowly while being unattended and found 700 euros, but only declared 200 of it. And he was fanatic on the house move challenge, as I suspected, filling up the car so nothing will fit later. Stina still didn't twig. Alce was blinded by complaining about Ruben all the time, and she apologises to Ruben's face because she complained about him so much during the season. And during the uh, house-moving challenge, it's just hilarious that Stine was so comfortable with leaving Yan alone to go hang out with Simona, and then Yan's like, well, I guess this is the easiest sabotage ever. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> In the control room challenge, he knew Alce wouldn't pay much attention to him, so hid light bulbs right in front of the camera. She was even looking at it, but didn't spot him on the camera because she was looking at something else. He also pretended his clock didn't start when they originally started, so there'd be about 15 seconds where he could mole without Simona being in the room. On the train, he built himself a molehill out of packages and got as many packages to Stina as possible, more than she could have dealt with. (laughs) This is a genuinely ballsy thing to do. He threw so many packages at Stina, built himself basically a little molehill, and chilled for a good five minutes in this challenge. Yeah, he had to catch up on email, text some friends. And as suspected at the time, he threw parcels off the train to stop them winning money. And the easiest place to do that was in the last carriage, and he was in the last carriage, which I think is pretty much what I said at the time. We thought he was in the first one, but he was actually in the last one. He had, well, he was on one at one of the one of the ends of the train. He's like, well, everyone keeps putting me in these roles where they trust me, so it's so easy for me to keep money out of the pot. And Ruben's suspicion started in tunnel busy when he was slowing them down, but the train assignment was the very first time that Ruben really suspected him. In the rafting challenge, he swapped the colours and the flags. He got two sets of minus money as a result, and Ruben noticed him confusing everything, but he thought that it should have been different colours. He also, as I correctly remembered, 
wasted time and made them skip lines and dragged them back so Ruben wouldn't get to his line in time. And this was the first time that Ruben answered Yan for question 20, and he was the only person to do that all season. Because everyone else answered Ruben for like the last 14 days before that. <laughs> and none of the hidden clues were stellar. We did mention the semi one being the final station of the train ride, which is an anagram of It's Me. The initials of the Do You Want to Know Who the Mole Is question in flowchart. If you anagram them, spell out W I D M W W Yan. And his time in the final test was 11.07, which adds to 18, being the number of the season. And we end the season with Alche, I think, doing an Instagram Live while they were waiting to come out of Vondel's AS, and Yan making a very sweet speech to the crowd. And that's all, folks. That is the end (laughs) of our season. And a very, very fun season. I think we've eulogized it far, far enough during this episode already. But I cannot understate the impact of the opening twist. I cannot understate how good a mole Yan was. I can't understate how lucky they were that Olche and Ruben were the other two finalists. Everything worked during this season. We didn't get a laser game. The laser game is the only negative. They didn't get to do a laser game. (laughs) Especially following the very fun one in Oregon. And talking of Oregon, Oregon's next. <laughs> yep. I've never seen this season before. I've watched about the first one and a half episodes so far. I have no idea who the mole is. Well, I know one person who who isn't the mole. We're going to get to that when we get to Oregon. But yeah, we're doing things slightly differently for our next Vidim season. We decided that we were going to do George first always because it is by far the most fun season to talk about. But there are so many Vidim seasons that Logan hasn't seen that we were going to end up eventually doing a season that he hadn't seen. So what we're going to do is our last season of the year, in November, is going to be Oregon. Not only that, Logan hasn't seen the season, so Logan's going to be doing live predictions up against my predictions at the time, when I did the suspect list. And we're going to basically treat it like a live season, except I'm going to know things. We are not going to do what did the mole do during Oregon, because obviously I need someone to bounce off, really. So we're not going to do that segment. We're going to just do it all at the end of the season. So instead of 90-minute episodes, we're going to probably have like 45-minute episodes. Yeah, those segments are very, very long. And I think it's just going to be a very a very fun season to talk about. As Logan said, he's seen the first episode and a half of Oregon. I've seen the first episode again. And I like the premiere a lot more than I remembered liking it. And furthermore, Oregon is the closest they've come to is the closest filming location geographically to me. Very similar climate and culture overall, I would say. Well, the closest recent one, yeah. We have had seasons that have filmed in, in BC. I mean, for for Vidim, though. I can't remember where, the, where their Canada season was. I think that might have been BC as well, actually. I'd have to look it up, but I'm not going to do it now. So have you got anything else you want to say about Georgia? Um, No, I think... What is this tonight? I think we've talked about it for over nine hours worth. I think that's a I think that's a good summary of it. Yep. So thank you for listening to our VSML 2018 recaps all season. I will be back with Michelle and Anthony to recap Hunted UK Series One in September before Logan returns for our Amazing Race Three recaps in October. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at likesofquacky, and I am MJ Harmstone. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles, and we'll see you in November for Vista Mall, Oregon. Peace out and just chill till the next flavoring.